views and reaction to the A-League, the Socceroos and Australian football. This is 442FM. Thank you, Jacko, and welcome to 442FM from the uh, the uh, back rooms of 442's HQ in North Sydney. Uh, my name's Aidan Ormond, the editor of 442 Magazine, which is out tomorrow, the new one, with Ange on the cover and joining me here is online editor Kevin Ayres. Hello. Of course, you haven't actually been online editor this week, have you? You've actually been doing the Socceroo Magazine. I have. And uh, that'll be available for the Costa Rica game, but look... Uh, Kev, let's just crack on and uh, talk about the uh, the last weekend of the games in this first section of the uh, 442 FM pod. Hart had an opportunity to turn their season around against the Wanderers. What do they have to do to win a game? Look, I think, Kev, there was two Melbourne Hearts on the show on Friday night. I think there was the one that is set up not to lose, and then there's the one that says, you know what, let's have a crack. And I like the second version, the one that played in the last 20 minutes. And I just think more so than... Perhaps teams and formations and players. I think it's an attitude now. I think it's really about time that that club, that team, says, "Okay, let's go out and win some games. Let's not go out to not not lose to, to to not lose a game." Yeah, I mean, I've heard this talk about them not losing, but do you think there's enough top-down pressure for them to actually win? Because I I don't I just don't get that impression that. Uh, there is that ambition. You know, I've said it before and I still don't see any evidence of it. I don't, I, there's a lot of talk in the media and amongst rival fans that there's pressure on Aloisi, but I don't see it. I don't actually see any evidence of that. Uh, I mean, you would think there should be pressure on him. Uh, you would think there would be, you know, a bit of a, a fan rebellion, but one, I don't think there's enough fans to have in a rebellion, and two, there just doesn't seem to be that internal uh, pressure. I mean, you certainly not got the board coming out and backing Aloisi because they just don't seem to to mind. They they seem to see mm. a bigger picture, a mm. longer term vision. Mm. Uh, but how long can they carry on this way? I think for me, and I take your point, Kevin. I think for me, and we'll go to the game in a second. I think for me, it's more a case of being a new club. They really, in fact, need to entertain fans even more. Are they still a new club then? Well, no. What I'm saying is that. You know they they need to attract new fans, so yeah. they need to play in a certain way that really does attract them. I think at the moment they're not attracting fans on either front, um, and it's disappointing because they do need to attract more fans. Uh, there's no doubt about that. But the game itself um, played on a wet night in Melbourne. Um, for me, the Wanderers just showed why they were a top side. They didn't play particularly well. They lost Tommy Urich late in the game as well, which was disappointing, obviously. And a bit of a worry for him as well, by the looks of things. It could be a long-term injury, possibly. We could talk about that in the second part of the pod, when we, or rather the third part of the pod, when we preview the, the weekend's games, Kev. And uh, these are concerned, but uh, they just showed why they, can, why they can win games and how they can win games. Um, and they can play as well. They've got some players in there who really can play, not just Ono. Um, and on a difficult surface, I thought they were outstanding for most of that game. Late on, they were, they were pushed by heart when they just threw everything at them, but they were good enough to survive. They had an astonishing uh, lack of possession, though, uh, Wanderers, didn't they? It was something like 30% or something, I think, to remember saying. Which even for them is a pretty low number. I mean, they usually get a little bit more than that. But, I mean, that's Wanderers' style. They don't dominate possession, but they take advantage and they, they're a very effective team and they strangle teams when they have to. And, and um, fair play also to Shannon Cole for taking his goal. Um, uh, what was the headline he used? 
on I the weekend. It. it wasn't me. It was uh, the Co Nine Yards. Uh, it was Kathy, I think, that uh, came up with that one, or it could have been Ben actually. I think it was Ben Summerford came up with that one. Good work, Ben. Um, but uh, I think for, from from Hart's point of view, the last twenty minutes they really did have a crack, and and to me that looked like the sort of a heart that I want to see more of. And I'm sure that there are plenty of people at the club who want to see that as well. Actually, I was completely wrong with that uh, possession stat. It was forty one percent. Uh, Wanderers had, but still, you know, surrendering sixty percent—that is actually par for the course for uh, Wanderers. They're, they're confident with forty percent, which is, you know, brings uh, up an interesting stat in relation to Adelaide as well, because they did dominate possession. Uh, I think actually they were the ones who did get uh, sixty or seventy percent of uh, their possession in their game. Um, possession doesn't equal goals. This was a dis- discussion we were having earlier about uh, Scotland's statistics-based football in the 90s, which was a complete disaster for uh, for them. But, uh, yeah, the uh, Adelaide had 63.4% percent possession uh, in their game against Jets, yet still lost. Mm. Uh, in And that's something that's universal as well, because in uh, the EPL... The top team for possession at the moment is Manchester City, which equates to eighth on the table. Uh, so you know the, the the idea that possession is all you need to win games is uh, a very very blinkered view. I think. Yeah, I mean that's the overarching uh, philosophy, but within that, there's effective possession and there's actually taking your goals. As Absolutely, well. yeah. Um, so one 0 to Western Sydney Wanderers. Uh, I think they deserved it in the end, um, and a good uh, turnout of travelling fans or some of the local fans who were supporting Wanderers as well. Saturday was the big day. We had three games on last Saturday, starting An absolute marathon. Yeah, marathon day. Yeah. In fact, wasn't there a marathon last season where there was like five games? Super Wednesday. They. Uh, first Wednesday after New Year. Well, this was a Super Saturday starting uh, in Christchurch, not Wellington, as a lot of the reports had it. Um, Phoenix hosting Perth Glory. Phoenix going ahead early through one of the scrubbiest goals you'll ever see in the A-League, courtesy of Andrew Durante. Um, and Rio Nagai uh, equalising for Perth. 1-1, a fair result, Kev? Yeah, I think it probably was, uh, to be honest. Um, I think Phoenix probably would have been disappointed not to, to get uh, more out of it. And... Glory, probably quite grateful to uh, to get some points on the road. Hell of a long journey for them. Mm. Distance, uh, distance derby, as it's called. Uh, but uh, no, I think we can see even more potential in Perth Glory uh, coming up uh, with Gallus in the back line uh, and Smelts back to full fitness. They're going to be uh, going to be a threat to the top six without a doubt. Uh, Possibly not title challengers just this season, but certainly a very, very strong side. Uh, and, uh, yeah, excellent effort, I thought. Phoenix, nobody's fooled uh, whatsoever. Uh, and, again, once they're up to full strength, uh, I think uh, they're going to be definitely in finals contention this season. Particularly, Kev, after these World Cup qualifiers are over, and we should just say best of uh, luck to all of the All-Whites playing against Mexico tomorrow morning, Thursday morning, Sydney time. Even um, if Graham Arnold doesn't think it's a good idea for uh, mm. them not to be playing, uh, mm. Phoenix not to be playing this weekend, mm. uh, there's consideration for you. Uh, but uh, yeah, no, I think uh, it was a very, very good game. And uh, Sydney, I still, he's still my big tip for this season. He's my new Andrezinho. <laughs>
<laughs> all right, so one one in uh, in Christchurch, and I think also what was good for Phoenix is that their all whites players got through relatively unscathed. Um, I quite enjoyed this game. This was a surprise to me. It was quite a, quite a, an open game at times, um, and it took us over after that to Adelaide, where the Reds hosted Newcastle Jets, um, and the Jets winning two one, and I think very good value for the victory. And we have. Uh, I do believe on Skype going to have a guest. Is that correct? We are, I believe. We're going to uh, tee him up in a minute. But okay. We, we will talk about that just amongst ourselves, first of all, because I was really surprised by how good Jets were. Mm. Uh, you know, when they played against Sydney, I thought they were very rough and ready and underdone uh, from the preseason and didn't have any hopes for them at all. To be fair, I don't think it was a great preseason. They didn't have all of those tours that other clubs had. I don't think they played as many games. I think the the last few weeks has been and really it has been a preseason for them, hasn't it, Kev? The way they've played, they've just gotten better and exactly. better each yeah. week. You can see the development coming through with them, mm. and uh, and Heskey from, coming back as well. Yep, yeah, from writing from writing them off as wooden spoons. Uh, at the beginning of the season I think I'm going to have to eat my words on that one I can see a lot of potential mm. there uh, you know they've still got uh, work to do without a doubt but if Adelaide can't win against an underdone Jets at home who are they going to beat? Mm. what do they have to do to win a game? Mm. it's a bit of a concern mm. you know I, I really appreciate what Gomba is trying to do I accept that it's not going to happen overnight and Adelaide fans seem to be well be- right behind him and what he is trying to achieve but yeah, if you're going to get something out of this season you have to pick up game- pick up points from games like that I would say Just two points on Adelaide firstly ta- uh, um, uh, Tarek Elrich with an absolutely brilliant goal stopping tackle similar to the Page Birch one which we can talk about and also Kariska's free kick the little lob over we don't see enough of those in the A-League um, but look, we've, uh, we're have we set to be joined by um, one of our new writers at 442. Um, he's been writing for the magazine for the last couple of months. His name is Josh Bennett. He's from Newcastle. He's a Newcastle Jets fan, of course. And we've got Josh, I believe, on Skype. Kev. So I'd like to welcome to 442 FM one of our new writers, as I said, Josh Bennett from Newcastle. Hello, Josh. How are you going? Yeah, good mate, good mate, how you doing? Very well indeed, Kevin Ayres is with me. Josh, uh, firstly, great stuff in the magazine, which is coming out tomorrow. We're looking forward to reading more of your uh, your articles on, uh, I think, A-League Latin American stars. But uh, one of those stars is Geronimo, who played against the Jets on the weekend. Um, we were just discussing how perhaps the Jets didn't have a great preseason, and perhaps the last few weeks has effectively been like a preseason for them. They're now hitting their straps. What are your thoughts on that? Yeah, look, the, the Jets' preseason was actually it was actually decent enough. Like their results wise, it was going quite well. Um, but they come into the season against Sydney FC, a bit of a slow start, um, and they really didn't play particularly well. Um, the last few weeks, they've really been struggling to score goals. Uh, I think that's been well documented uh, in the media. Um, coming into the Adelaide game, um, some positive results. Um, but I guess most people thought that you know Adelaide would probably come away with the points. But the Jets really played well. Um, they really pressed Adelaide uh, quite high up the pitch in certain uh, certain circumstances, um, and they really got some reward. Um, I guess you know some some new players, and especially in midfield with um, young Andrew Hall, really added some mm. some enthusiasm to the to the team, and they got some you know, some positive results on the weekend. He's having a terrific season, Hall, and I think he's one of those players who's perhaps a little bit unheralded. We we talk a lot about Taggart, don't we? But Hull is having a terrific season, I think. Your thoughts? 
Yeah, absolutely. Like you see guys like uh, I guess early in the season, uh, Craig Goodwin had quite a quite a, a big rap on him. Mm. You know, he had some had a trial over uh, with Reading in the in in England, but um, he didn't really come along. So they gave uh, young Andrew Hall, you know, a crack on the right side of midfield, and he's been really been really good for the Jets. He's added mm. a lot of enthusiasm. He's quite direct in his running. Um, and he's quite incisive. I think you saw with that goal on the weekend, um, he received the ball and, you know, he ran directly at his at his defender and played a lovely ball through to, to Adam Taggart, who, you know, finished quite well. So I think he's really added something to the Jets' midfield. And I think there's no, no, no surprise that his addition to the team has really, um, you know, coincided with the Jets' improved performances in the last couple of weeks. Mm. There's been a bit of uh, fan backlash against um, Gary Van Egmond at the beginning of the season. Do you think uh, this win will have turned any of that around? Yeah, look, Gary Van Egmond's been under a lot of pressure, especially uh, in the local media, uh, especially, you know, without scoring goals early in the season. But I guess the last few weeks, there's been some really positive signs. I think, you know, when they played against Wellington over over New Zealand, um, you know, even though it was a nil-all result, they, they played quite well. And it was, you know, almost staggering that they couldn't get a goal. Um, coming back to Newcastle, they had a really positive performance again against Central Coast. Uh, they're up 2 nil, and, you know, considered two late goals to, to get a draw. But... Now, the win on the weekend, you know, it's a, it's a step in the right direction for the Jets. And I think it has, you know, taken some of the pressure off Gary Van Egmont's. Um, but I think just the con- continuity of their performances in the last few weeks, I think the fans can start to see uh, what Gary Van Egmont's trying to do. Um, and it's just a matter of, you know, continuing to put some good performances in. I think he'll be, he'll be um, out of the microscope for the time being, at least anyway. And Josh, uh, Josh, I guess the the main thing is that they won, but but this week is probably going to be the biggest test for them, playing arguably the best team in the league. Um, uh, how do you think they'll go at home in front of what should be a pretty good crowd as well? Yeah, no doubt. I mean, Brisbane have been playing pretty good football. Um, you know, had a good result on the weekend against the Mariners. Um, I guess the thing with Brisbane, they're missing a few players uh, through injury. Um, Oh, and sorry, and international duty. You got Matt McCoy, Ivan Franich, um, Basar Barish has been injured as well, so I'm not too sure if he's going to be playing. But um, so, and Liam Miller as well is also missing. Um, so the Jets have got a good chance this weekend, especially at home. Um, you know, they're high on confidence after the last po- the last few weeks, some positive performances. So I guess it's a good time of the season to be playing Brisbane. Mm. Um, so I think, you know, with a decent crowd on Sunday afternoon, um, the Jets have really got an opportunity to, I guess, you know, continue their the way they've been playing and hopefully get a positive result. Terrific, Josh. Well, look, um, thanks for your insights into Newcastle. No doubt we'll speak to you in the future. Mate, thanks for your work on 442 and we'll talk to you soon. No worries. Thanks, Guy. Thanks for having me. Cheers, mate. No Okay, that was Josh Bennett in Newcastle talking about the Jets versus the Reds. And let's just continue on with the review of the round because that Super Saturday ended in Sydney with the uh, the Big Blue Derby, the Sydney Derby, sorry, the Big Blue Derby between Sydney and Victory. Kev, uh, you and I were there live to see the game. Um, and fair to say that that first 45 minutes in terms of entertainment was one of the best we've probably ever seen in the A-League Um it was certainly for forty-five. Insane. It was insane. Yeah, uh, you know, I wouldn't necessarily say it was the best football, 
we've ever seen in the A-League, uh, but it had everything. You know, you had red cards, you had uh, penalties, you had five goals, uh, and Del Piero eating more grass than a herd of cows. Uh, you know, he had a very intimate relationship with the the pitch of uh, Sydney Football Stadium. Uh, is he a diver? No, he's not. Thank and you. you know, this is a fundamental thing. What he is is he's a very wily old hand. You know, he knows how to lure players into fi- a fouling him. Uh, I think the perfect example was last season in the derby at Parramatta when Moy got suckered in. Yeah, and gave away the penalty. Yeah, he's he's not a dive. He's just too smart for a lot no, of players. No, I mean he just takes advantage of the fact that you know the players that he's up against are not nearly on the same technical level as him, and he knows how to make put them in a position where they will dive in, uh, and they will make a foul on him, and he will hit the deck, and he will get the foul. It's not diving. It's very smart play, yeah. and it means he doesn't have to run as fast, mm. to be honest. Mm. You he know, gets a little break here and there. He gets a little break, yeah. he gets to lie down, gets a little snooze, <laughs> and then gets to take a free kick. I don't think Victory took it that way, though. They, In fact, somebody from the club tweeted something about an invite to a party after the game, because, of course, it was uh, Alex Del Piero's birthday on yeah, Saturday. Right, yeah. um, what's your take on that tweet? I mean, uh, was look, that was know, that more a bit of just a bit of good banter, or was was that something that the FFA should look at? I don't think it's something the FFA should look at. You know, they should, should I probably, thought it was funny. I thought it was funny as well. I think it's banter. I think it was... Uh, I think it was done in... Um, di- out of disappointment uh, and anger and mm. frustration. But Is that Musky tweeting on the sidelines? Probably. It wouldn't surprise me. <laughs> Can I just ask you about one of the uh, key incidents, which is Tiago and the referee, which is currently under investigation. Yeah. Um, at first glance, I, I thought they collided. No. I, I actually, uh, when it happened, we were standing next to each other and I pointed it out to you that I thought... I actually thought it was ADP at the time from because I didn't have my glasses on. It was a long way away and I'm partially blind being an old man. Um, but I certainly saw somebody knocking the red car to uh, the ground and on the video replay you could see quite clearly uh, Tiago goes to stop the referee from lifting his arm and showing the red card and in the process he knocks the, the red card out of the hand. Uh, that's physical contact. That's getting in the way. That that's could be potentially a year out of the game. Could well, it? you know, if I was Danny Vukovic, I know what I'd be saying. Uh, the footage I'd be submitting to the FFA, and you can't argue with it. You know, the precedent's been set. Uh, Danny Vukovic was harshly, very harshly treated. I felt for what he did, but uh, the FFA have set the precedent, so it's going to look like a lengthy ban. You would think. Pedge Burrich as well, with probably a game-saving tackle on on the pretty much the final whistle. It was, uh, and, and that it, summed it up really, didn't it? That well, tackle. you know, the, the, I thought it was a really fascinating second half, not because of necessarily the the action or the or what was going on in the field, other than the fact that Frank Farina was under terrible pressure before he went into that match. Uh, if he'd lost it, he was going to certainly be close to being out of a job. He didn't lose it, obviously. Um, he may have got you know a little bit lucky with the way things worked out, but the whole of the second half, down to ten men, uh, for over an hour, with five minutes left to play, Sydney were pressing high up the field. They were pushing victory back, who were in 11 men. Every single man in that Sydney side was giving his all for that team. And 
if they didn't really believe in Farina, it would have been so easy mm. for them to sit back and accept either a draw or, you know, uh, even a loss. Well, I think but when you say sit back, they could have sat back and just said, OK, you pummel us and we'll try and absolutely. defend the... Yeah. Defend the and against victory, they, uh, that'll never work. Yeah. How good was that 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 tactic of but, just saying, OK, we're going to take it to you in the second half? Absolutely, and it was uh, genuinely effective. And the other thing I thought Farina did well was the timing of his substitutions. He kept everybody fresh. Uh, you know, when you've got that kind of uh, ten man for mm. such a long time, you've got to be very careful re-energising re- uh, the side because mm. uh, you're going to have a lot of tired legs out there otherwise. And the youngster came on uh, for Garcia, I think. Yeah. Um, and it, yeah, you're right. He, he, he timed it very. Yeah. What I did find very odd was though that uh, he brought Page on and stuck him at left back mm. uh, when he had um, a Petkovic, who is a left-sided defender. Uh, in centre-back, uh, that's not the way I would have done it myself. I'd have moved right on to centre and put Pedge over at right and Petkovic at left-back, mm. but it worked. And, you know, Pedge's uh, match-saving tackle at mm. the end uh, was testimony to it. So, all round, you got to say, that was a fantastic performance by mm. Sydney. Hats uh, off to Sydney. Yep. Yeah, and uh, even Frank Farina deserves a, a fair bit of praise for Absolutely. that performance too. Absolutely, and victory I think a little disappointing overall. Um, well, defensive errors for the first goal, for the second goal, and really it was just a freak penalty. Uh, sorry, the, the penalty was a, a, another error. Yeah. So individual errors, I think Millsy's header over the top and then um, Coe not getting to the ball it, it, quick enough to, to put off Garcia. It was very clever in that dink yeah. to get it around, but also... It's a freak goal as well from Seb Ryle, so it wasn't their night. No, I mean, you know, when I went, was talking about uh, Sydney being a bit lucky, it wasn't so much in the performance or uh, the way that the goals unfolded. It was more in the fact, in the same way that I said Sydney were lucky to get Jets in the first round when they were obviously under, going to be underdone uh, and came away with the win against that. They were very lucky, I think, to, to get victory in the first game under Muskie mm. when things just haven't quite mm. settled down for them uh, in the wake of Ange leaving. Uh, but it was quite surprising that uh, victory's key uh, mistakes were made in defence mm. with Muskie in control. You'd have uh, thought that would be one area they would be very tight on, but it's always been a problem for victory for the past couple of seasons. Mm. Uh, it was hard to, to fathom the Pablo Contreras uh, challenge in the box, but look, uh, the game ended 3-2, uh, but uh, there was a little bit of controversy outside the stadium. We can't really comment on that because we didn't see it, and we've just gone a few and reports. And it's also of sub as well, but... Uh, a, a th- although I think the guy was released, the guy, the 16-year-old that was uh, held at the scene was actually released without charge, last I heard. Um, either way, you know, he was picked up not wearing uh, team colours, mm. so hopefully he was not football-related. Mm. And uh, if uh, it was an incident, it was a non-football-related incident. It's just unfortunate that Victory fans were targeted. Exactly, because then all the news reports were uh, an incident after an A-League game. But anyway, um, one of the best nights we've had in a long time, and, and the round was uh, finished on the Sunday with Central Coast hosting Brisbane Raw. Raw winning again at Blue Tongue. Very, very tight nil. match, though. Very tight, I thought. Um I think Brisbane were the better team. I thought they were the better no team. No doubt about that. But, and uh, Kwame Yaboa with an arguably the goal of the season. It was a cracker, wasn't it? Just from nothing as well, from nowhere. Apparently. What is it about Brisbane and, and, and Central Coast and their, their form there? I mean, I, I don't know. I can't really put one finger on it because there's been different coaches over this period of time. It's true, yeah. Um, but I think Mike, Mike Mulvey uh, is uh, you know, just quietly doing a fantastic job mm. there. Uh, and 
Brisbane Roar have got to be uh, up there for the title this season. Yeah, you'd say probably at this stage, early stage, it's probably Brisbane, Central Coast and Wanderers definitely oh, well, for, yeah, a, for a yeah. chance and victory perhaps as well. I, th- I think pretty much daylight mm. to everybody else. It's going to be those three by a long, long way. Mm. Uh, Liam Reddy, I've got to, I've got to make a mention of Liam as well because a surprise inclusion. I, I wouldn't have dropped Passfield, even though he did make a mistake the previous week. I think he's good enough to stay there, but Liam took his chance. It was a big call by Arnie to do that, you know, and it's got to be disappointing for Passfield, but, you know, I think he has, you know, he made the one mistake, obviously, with the, the back pass last week, but I, like I said, you know, he, I think he was he a lot... some good saves as well on the night. Yeah, but he, his tendency not to catch, his tendency to parry and punch was always a worry for me uh, and you know the back pass was an obvious error but I felt there was more goals coming uh, from goalkeeper errors or not so much errors but just mm-hmm. not taking con- complete control of the situation the parries and the punches are very spectacular but the, mm. the, the gives it potentially gives a second ball to uh, the opposition. It's never a, a good thing when you change area. goalkeeper in mid-season. I think Sydney did it last year with Vedran and Ivan. It just, it, for me, I just like to have a stability there. And clearly, there could be a situation now where perhaps he comes back in. Who knows? So yeah, but I mean, you've got to look at Passfield. He's been on the bench a long time in the A League, uh, and you've got to wonder if that's his best position. Uh, because that that's where he's been for most of this uh, most of his career in the A League. And just uh, just just going back to that goal, like Kev, because it was an outstanding goal. But they really turned off. They just left him alone in the box, Kwame Yaboa. Um, if you look at the replay, he, he, he certainly had space, but he was still drifted quite in, a long and he was just left away. alone. He was still a long way out when he unleashed. Yeah, but you uh, should, should still be covering in that position. And yeah. they had players who were looking at him. I guess the whole thing of Kwame is that he, he goes under the radar. He's not like it's a Bessart where you immediately switch on. They switched off. He got the ball and he took it yeah. absolutely brilliantly. And what a show reel he's going to have oh, when absolutely. he decides to go overseas yeah. one day. But, you know, the, the build-up to that goal as well, there was a lot of good build-up mm. play, which, uh, you know, the goal was the re- ultimate reward. But, you know, it was a series of about 13 or 15 passes that came through uh, beforehand. Mm. Uh, top effort, top effort. Uh, and well-deserved win, I think. And that uh, rounds out the uh, first uh, first third of the, the podcast. Uh, I should also say, speaking of great uh, build-ups to goals, the W League, Sydney FC's goal against Melbourne Victory. What a move and what a goal. It was Barcelona-esque. Uh, it was a, what a, a score as well, yeah. though. I mean, 5-1. Yeah. 18 goals in the first, uh, was it 16 or 18 goals in the first round as well of the W League? But Sydney's goal against Melbourne victory on the weekend was one of the best you'll ever see in terms of, as you're talking about with that Brisbane uh, lead up, absolutely brilliant. So a big shout out to all the W League players and fans out there. And uh, we'll be back to talk a little bit more about the news happening on our website, Mm 2nd part of 442 FM. My name's Aidan Orman, the editor of 442 Australia magazine, out tomorrow. And joining me is Kevin Ayres, online editor. Uh, Kevin, 
this week, of course, the Socceroos are in town. Uh, in fact, we're going to an awards night tonight, and there's a whole lot of things going on with not just training, but uh, media visits across the town. Um, and, uh, yeah, what's been your take on, on the uh, the new era so far, and uh, have you had a chance to get any audio from any of the players, and have they spoken? Uh, <laughs> funnily enough, we do have some chats. As, with, I, can, uh, I, as I look down onto our little software here, Ivan Frannick and uh, Wilco have a bit to say about their selections. Uh, Ivan Frannick especially was very upbeat about uh, Australia's potential and living up to it. Here's what uh, he had to say. I think it's a great opportunity for me and I really need to step up and take it while I get this opportunity because it might only come around once. So hopefully come Tuesday I get some game time and I can show him what I can do. Oh, look, I think we're just going to work on our defensive shape and our attacking shape. Attack's the best form of defence and I know Ange likes to attack. So hopefully we can bring that philosophy here. Just his trainings, everything's high intensity and you know, gets the best out of player, best out of every player training, and which is very important because the way you train is the way you play. Like you said, it's a fresh start for every player, and every player has to show himself again, and which is very important. We've got great quality players in Australia, and now it's time to transform them to the field. As a nation, we just need to get back, back up on our feet because we're much better than what we've been showing, and there's a lot of quality players here that have played at high level, and yeah, I'll back ourselves against any team. So that was uh, Ivan, and you know, like I say, he's very upbeat. But I think the overriding message uh, from the FFA at the moment is clean slate, fresh start, mm. new beginning, new hope. Uh, you know, I think everybody realises that uh, things have got a bit stale. Uh, and the interesting thing as well is that uh, Lucas seems to have lost his captaincy, which is a really big call, I think, by Ange. Uh, Bresch seems to be getting the, the armband, uh, which, uh, you know... Given that Lucas is still in the team, I'm not sure that's actually a good move myself. I would have, you know, done him the honour of giving them the R band for one last time and then said, thanks but no thanks. But alternatively, Angie's thinking was maybe if I took the R band off him, maybe he'd walk away by himself. Mm. Look, uh, I, I think there's too much emphasis placed on captains these days anyway, I think, and if it's, if it's Timmy or if it's Bresh or even if it's Millsy, you know, I think they'll all do a great job. Uh, but I don't think we can discount the job that Lucas has done over the years. I think he's been outstanding. But the, as you say, this is a new slate and a new era. And, and everyone talking to the press this week, you just get that vibe. Ivan, I think they've got some other players there um, teed up. Yeah, well, I mean, talking of uh, Lucas, a uh, man who could be potentially replacing him, uh, is uh, Alec Wilkinson getting his uh, first call up for the Socceroos. Isn't that great? I'm, re I'm really happy for him. Yeah, yeah. I mean, it's one that perhaps should have come before now. Yes. Uh, and under another manager, I'm sure it probably would have done. But uh, Angie's in there now, taking action, and brought Wilco in. Here's what he had to say. That was a bit of a, a, bit of a surprise for me, obviously, a few weeks ago when I got the call. Um, probably getting a bit older now at 29, and uh, probably thought my time had probably passed by. But um, I guess you're always hopeful, and... I was playing regularly in Korea each week and um, the team was doing quite well so I guess that helped me and I'm um, just really grateful to obviously get a call up um, and just looking forward to the week now and meeting all the boys and um, having a positive week and hopefully it's not the last time. I guess no matter where you're playing and just stated that he's going to give everyone a, a chance and a clean slate and um, I think it's great for the, the local boys as well. He's obviously been in the A-League for quite a few years now and it gives everyone a, a hope of um, you know, playing for the national team, which is fantastic. Yeah, I know Andrew Beard. I had him in the under-17s and under-20s, but that's a while ago now. Um, but obviously uh, seeing him in the A-League, uh, I guess everyone's sort of well aware of his style of play. And uh, he's, he's got, I guess, a week now to the Costa Rica game to 
to influence the team and, and uh, set out how he wants to play. So I assume that training is going to be pretty full on and intense and uh, a lot of game situation uh, training. So uh, looking forward to that and uh, just looking forward to, to getting out there and, and hopefully giving it a good go and, and impressing. I've obviously got a week to, to prove myself and I'm just happy that uh, I've been given a chance. And now I guess the, the rest is up to me. But, you know, I think uh, I won't be the only one that... Um, you know, has a chance over the next uh, eight months before the World Cup. I'm sure Andrew will be looking at other players as well, but as I said, it's up to me now and hopefully I can do enough. Yeah. Yeah, so that was Wilco. Uh, you know, he's, he's quite humble and respectful of those who have gone before him, but uh, also showing a bit of determination to, to force his way into the reckoning. Uh, by the time we do the next podcast, we'll have played Costa Rica. Uh, we've got uh, we've just finished work on the Socceroo match program, which will be on sale at the match. Get your copy. It's got a fantastic chat with uh, Ange. Uh, but uh, then we also have a fanta- even better chat with Ange in uh, 442 magazine with possibly even better pictures, although the photographer in both cases is pretty good. <laughs> <laughs> um, what I'll, just go back to Wilco, Kevin, and I agree with what you just said. Um, Wilker could have stayed in the A-League quite easily. Um, I always felt that he was going to get into a comfort zone if he stayed any longer. He didn't. He got the move. And I think he's really prospered. And that, and that league, it's a helter-skelter league. He'll tell you that. So he's really sharpened up his game. And I think he'll play. I think he'll start. I don't think you bring in somebody like that and not play him. So he could well start against Costa Rica next Tuesday night. And I hope so too. And I think he could just be the solution. Will he start and look at his place though? Well, we shall see. It could be Lucas. It could be um, Wilco and Reese in the centre of the defence. Could be uh, with Franich and perhaps maybe Zulu left side, right side kind of thing. We'll see. Um, and just currently got the boys for another few more days before they get into the game. So um, yeah, looking forward to it. But look, what I love about this week is that uh, once again the FFA CEO David Gallup has come out and uh, reinforced his message that. Uh, you know, he believes that uh, the rise of Australian football is inevitable. To me, he reminds me of Noel Gallagher. <laughs> Back in the 90s, he kept telling the press, we're, we're the biggest rock and roll, rock and roll band in the world. We, he just kept saying it. And sooner or later, people just believed them. And I think this is the same similar strategy to the Oasis strategy, I call it. I actually went on tour with Oasis in 1997, 98. And Liam Gallagher told me that he was going to buy a spaceship, fly over the pyramids, then fly over my house and shit all over me. And he didn't do it. So hopefully he'll have a better record than uh, David Gallup. David Gallup says that we're going to be the number one sport in Australia. I think, I'd like to think that's true. And I think it will probably happen one day. But I'm not sure it's going to happen in my lifetime. Well, I'm more bullish on that, Kevin. I think I think we've already overtaken Super Rugby, oh, um, yeah. or rugby in general, yep. um, and that's no disrespect to their sport. I think we're coming at NRL very quickly, and uh, I think you know with the news this week that the AFL have just booked out Etihad Stadium just in case um, they're fully aware of what football can do. Look, I just want us to be as big as we can be. Yeah. And where we finish, we finish. But yeah. I just think we we've all got to keep working together to make this sport the true national sport and I think we'll we'll become very very big over the next 15 20 years yeah I mean I think TV is a key part of that absolutely I think you know within a generation we can be competing with AFL Mm. but 
we are coming from a long, long way back. That's, that's but we big, are coming. We are coming. We're coming we're, over we're, the hills, brother. We're definitely the growing sport. That's yeah. without a doubt. With the number, I'd rather be here than in the AFL, which is effectively hasn't got any more growth to sort of ex- uh, to 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 move into. We've got the rest of the world to move into, as as David often says, it's a global sport. Mate, Gaelic um, football. Gaelic football rules the world, doesn't it? Yeah. Yeah, 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 of course. Uh, uh, what else has been going on online? Um, oh, I have no idea. I've been busy elsewhere. Uh, I'm sure there's been other stuff happening, but uh, that's pretty much it, I think, for this section. Mm-hmm. Um, we'll be back shortly with the preview. And we're back. back. And we're back. back we're so room. professional today, Kevin. <laughs> I've got the jitters. Double, double taps. <laughs> Look, to be honest, Kevin's been a little bit out the loop this week. For those of you who may have noticed his slightly strange segue into the uh, break, um, he's been working on the Soccer Room magazine, which is available... Um, at the Costa Rica game, grab a copy. It looks great. I've just had a look at it. We very will good. also have, this time next week, a new website, All Going Well, which has also been uh, taking up quite a fair old chunk of our time. Uh, that's going to look fantastic. There's going to be uh, all sorts of new features on there, new navigation, and most importantly for people with Android phones, you're going to be able to access our Stats Zone software on the website through your browser, on your phone. You can get all the up-to-date stuff that's same way as iPhone users can on their app on their phone. That's the last sell I'm going to do for the app. Good. I'll just briefly sell tomorrow night, uh, Thursday FC, a big show with Lucy Zelich in Melbourne uh, and lots of guests, including Socceroos. But look, Friday night, let's, let's get into the A-League, Kev, because Friday night we're back on with uh, Sydney going down to Melbourne to play Melbourne Hard. It's the live TV game on SBS2. Um, and really, uh, you know, when you look at this game, uh, you know, Melbourne Heart really, really do need to win this game. Sydney, on the back of a very, very good win, will be very confident. Del Piero is fit again. There'll be a good crowd because, of course, in Melbourne, they always see Del Piero as a, as a, a, a great marketing tool for these games. Um, what do Hart need to do? Um, change the name to something else and get a whole new squad in. Uh, what, move to North Geelong? <laughs> Possibly, or just change to South okay. Melbourne, who knows? <laughs> okay, well, that, that's perhaps long-term, Kevin. Let's just talk Friday night for the moment. Um, what's going to be interesting for me... City Derby. Second the City second team City Derby. Okay, all right. Because uh, Wanderers are first team in Sydney, though, and uh, Hart never been challenging victory as uh, the big team of the city. Uh, I must say I'm really looking forward to seeing Matt Thompson play in this game because he'll have a point to prove, won't he? That's very true, yeah. That's a good point, uh, coming back uh, and taking on his old side. Um, he was, he's been very good. You know, I think he's, he's had a bad rap all round, to be honest. Uh, the fact that someone of his ability can't get a regular gig in the A-League mm. uh, does amaze me. Um, I thought he was brilliant at uh, Jets and uh, he was a solid... Uh, Club man at uh, heart who probably deserved better than he got. Yeah. Uh, so yeah, I think he's been, he's been a good pickup for uh, a Sydney, even although He'll some enjoy fans if they win. may disagree. Yeah, I think I think he's been a terrific signing, given that he basically didn't know the players. So he's just coming from basically the oh, first I mean, round. He, he just slotted in, uh, yeah, effortlessly. Uh, it was a, a very good effort by him. 
Um, it was an effortless effort. Effortless effort, yeah. Um, yeah, a big look. I think. But Aloisi, if he loses this one, any more pressure on him? Do you think? Uh, I think I think we've spoken about that in, in the first part of the show. I think I think it's a club that doesn't do that sort of thing. I think they're very happy to sit back and have a stable club. As a fan, you'd want a little bit more pressure, I think, on the team because they haven't yet succeeded on two the park. Two points, two points from five rounds, mm. four round, well, four rounds at the moment. Uh, no, five rounds, five rounds. Well, we're going into the sixth round, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Uh, I mean, that's that's diabolical. You got you got to be aiming higher than that, surely. I had them in my six as well. You know, Seriously? so yeah, yeah. in their in their preseason tips. So. I mean, you know, fair play to them. They have been unfortunate with their injuries, but by yeah. the same token, is that because of bad squad recruitment? Mm. You know, look, I think the last twenty minutes of last week, if they can replicate that throughout this game and really take it to Sydney FC, put them under pressure, press high, and have a good shape, I think if Mifsud got a goal, he'll score a few more. I think he's that sort of player. He's getting in good positions. He's just not finding the target. Um, Are they just being unlucky? You know, sometimes the ball just doesn't bounce for you in football, Kev. And it's just five games in a row, though. Well, we'll see on Friday night. But uh, for Sydney, for me, the the most important thing is to continue where they left off, which is fight, have a great team spirit, which they showed, and have a good team structure. And I think they will. And look, it's hard to tip this one, Kev. Yeah, I mean. On paper, you would think the heart might be able to pull something out, but given that uh, Sydney should be lifted so high by uh, the result and the performance from last weekend, you've got to think that they were going to come out with all guns blazing yet again. Mm. And I think what's going to be interesting is how they deal with Del Piero, because I think in the past, Del Piero got more treatment by heart, I think last year, than by any other club. And after last week's performance, where victory just could not tackle him, um, it'll be interesting how many free kicks he wins, um, because if he does and they get, if he gets within range, he can really hurt them. So I think that's going to be a key: is uh, not to give away free kicks outside the box, but also for Hart, it's just let's go out and win this game. Let's let's take it to them and let's get three points and give our fans something to to get excited about, rather than setting up in a slightly more defensive way. Let's just take it to them and then maybe hold on if they have to later on in the game, mm. a la Sydney. So, look, it's hard to hard to predict this one. I'm going to go for a draw on this one. one yeah, one, I think two, I probably two. will do as well. I think maybe 1-1 one, one draw. Yeah, me too. Um, a good crowd is expected. They usually get more than 10,000 because of Del Piero. So many Italian fans, particularly Juventus fans, yeah, Course, um, yeah. In Melbourne, in, uh, nearby as well. Um, so, look, I think it'll be a good crowd, and I think it'll be 1 1. So, that is Friday night's uh, live game on SBS2. We're going into Saturday. Now, I'm told that the Saturday game will, be, uh, will not be moving time. I saw a tweet from Shane Hope, um, who's a journo at the West, and he's saying that it looks like that game hasn't been moved. I thought it had. I thought I saw another tweet saying that it had been moved. Well, maybe forward. it has. Well, God, just before the show went on... <laughs> oh, maybe it's changed again then, because... Uh yeah, earlier today I saw somebody saying that it had been brought forward, but maybe it's not, so, yeah. Look, it's, it's a troubling one because William Gallus is due to, to kick off, uh, to, to debut on what could be an extremely hot afternoon. Um, well, yeah. And I think that was, that was the reason why they were trying to move it. But uh, the last I heard was that it was going to be a 2.30 kickoff. Um, either way, look, it's Adelaide away, Perth at home. Um, it's this, again, this is another hard one to tip. Yeah, I mean, I've, uh, I'm just looking at my screen where I've got my tips up on screen and I've got done this down for a draw as well. Um, 
given that uh, Perth have struggled to make an impact so far, but then again, so have Adelaide, mm. I think it, it, a, per, a draw is almost inevitable. Uh, if it isn't a draw, I think Perth will probably sneak it, uh, mm. especially with Gallus there and the lift at that. Mm. No Zulay for the Reds as well in the soccer camp. Yep. Um, so that's obviously a blow. But interestingly enough, you know, I don't think Zulu's had quite the impact I was expecting him to have. Uh, you know, he's, I'm not saying he's done a bad job by any manner of means, but uh, he doesn't seem to have been quite as much of a marauding fullback as I was expecting. I wasn't, I thought I'd seen more of him involved further up the field, but you know, that's Gumbo's style. Uh, where you know, rather than have uh, single players doing marauding runs, it's it's a, a free flowing passing game where the ball moves, not the players. Uh, and of course, Perth without Shane Smeltz as well, he'll be on international duty throughout the week. They've barely had Smeltz all season, mm. so that's not. Really I just think having him there is just a huge boost. But look, I think overall this is a tough one to pick. But I think the conditions is going to dictate how many minutes we're going to see Gallas. Um, he said during the week when he arrived that he was a little bit underdone. So um, do you play him for the first half or do you put him on at sec- in the second half? I'm not quite sure how how he's going to fit into this team for this first game. But look, he's a long-term project. He'll probably play regularly from December onwards. So um, yeah, again, tough to pick. But I think maybe Perth at home may just edge this one with uh, yeah, maybe a 2-1. I'm going to go. Yep. Two-one. Yeah, I think that's probably a fair call, but uh, yeah, I'm going to stick with my draw. I reckon. Okay. Uh, which brings us into the uh, second game that day, which is uh, Wanderers versus Victory, mm. another uh, Sydney derby. Apparently, Sydney I'm not allowed to mention who Victory. do we sing for because it gets people upset. I know. Yeah. 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 But look, it is a, it's a fantastic atmosphere, and I think this is one of the games you want to see. I think Victory are a little bit. Um, uh, they're not the victory that they used to be. They're vulnerable. Edge. I think yeah. they're vulnerable. Until Muskie really really bla- uh, gets his stamp on this team, um, I think it's a good time to play them, uh, yeah. as we saw last week. Yeah. Um, Wanderers, again, and we didn't mention the fact that Poppy actually dropped Beecham just to rest him and bring in Pop, uh, Spiranovic. Does he do that again this week, or does he go back to what he was used to? Probably will go back to Beecham, I'd imagine. Um, starting, you'd, you'd think. Yeah, but I mean, just, again, I mean, it just shows the depth of the squad as well. Bichi is his captain, of course. So mm. you know, it's it's a big call to drop your captain just for a rest. Um, but I think having him in the back line for a big game like this, captain on the field's got to be uh, the option you go for. Mm. Um, and yeah, I can't see beyond Wanderers at all for this one. Uh, victory uh, still. For, Got to try and find the way under Muskie. Mm. Uh, I'm not sure how long that's going to take. You know, it could just be one, one or two more games. Um, I suspect Muskie will just probably want to try and do more of what Postacoglu was doing with the side. Yeah. Uh, certainly this season, uh, until he sort of grows in confidence, he'd be daft to suddenly strike out and do his own thing now. You would think in mid-season. Yeah, and I think he 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 believes he's bought into that philosophy, so it's not going to change too much. Just, just might be a tweak here and there. Yeah. But uh, no Barbarusis again on international duty. Um, yeah. Look, you you'd, you'd think if if Wanderers do what they do each week, which is strangle the opposition. Um, the thing about victory though is, is they can play quite well out from the back. I think they are quite technically gifted along the back, so they can play through if they if 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 need be. 
Um, the question is whether or not they get uh, Strangle in midfield and whether or not uh, Tommy Year is just another thing we haven't spoken about, whether he plays as well. If not, it'll be Labby or perhaps uh, Santalab coming in. Yeah, I think that, that is where it's going to be crucial for Wanderers because I, I think, you know, Juric was just finding his feet, mm. uh, finding his touch, finding the back of the net. Uh, and without him there, it's a kind of a backward steps for Wanderers. He was one of the key signings, one of the few signings uh, introduced to the side. Uh, and as I've been saying, God knows how many times, he was a missing ingredient, I felt, for the side, uh, who was going to actually get them goals on a regular basis, reliable and consistent. Without him mm. there, they may be struggling for goals, but I still think they'll be able to find them enough uh, mm. to get past victory yeah. uh, even if it's just one long range effort from mm. another scorcher from Santa Lab mm. as he can pull out from time to time it does rather look like it'll be Labby Haliti taking over as a central strike if, if Yurish isn't fit and he doesn't look fit yeah. um, with Santa Lab again filling in for Hersey who again isn't fit two great players to take over at, um, look Labby scored against the Mariners last year in that crucial game away from home he knows how to score uh, and he'll want to take his opportunity oh absolutely so I don't think he lose two much there. Labby is uh, great for the opportunist, fast reaction goal, I find, and uh, yeah, uh, certainly you wouldn't rule against him, but by the same token, Juric is my striker in my fancy football team. Mm. I'm not going to be swapping him out for Haliti. Mm. Uh, you know, Juric is much more reliable, uh, in to my mind. Haliti, you wouldn't back bet against him, but I still don't think I would actually put money on him. Though. No, no, he's obviously a, a second striker to Juric, but what I'm really looking forward to is Palenz and Adama Traore. Palenz on the right side of the Wanderers' defence and Traore on the left side of Victory's defence. Those two and how they push each other back and forth, that'll be fascinating to watch. Um, you'd back you'd back Palenz, but, you know, Traore is so impressive. That battle will be just something I can't wait to see. He is, uh, and Traore is impressive, but I didn't wasn't that impressed with him last weekend, for example. Uh, I don't feel he got into the match at all uh, against uh, a Sydney. So, you know, there is, you can close him down or you can marginalise him and keep him out of the game. If he is given free reign, you know, he's got such speed up that left wing. Uh, he can do you real damage, but uh, there is a lesson to be learned from Sydney, bizarrely mm. enough. Mm. Wouldn't have thought I would be saying that. And Mitch Nichols as well, I think. He, he's just, for me, so impressive this season. He will be very dangerous, I think. No, obviously not in the Socceroo camp, although the entire Socceroo squad will be there watching the game, I'm told, which is oh, great. Right. Which is a complete change from Holger, who I think banned all these players from going and watching one of the games last year. So uh, a complete 360 there. Um, a lot of great matchups in this game. I'm looking forward to seeing Moy and Nichols in the centre of the, the park. As I said, Palenz and Traoris. This is going to be a fantastic game. Let's hope it's a complete sellout. Um, at Are you going? I, I certainly will be. thought you might be. Yes. Ferry? Um, yeah, perhaps. Look, whatever, whichever way I get there, I'll get there and uh, <laughs> I'll wander through Parramatta and enjoy and take it all in and then wander over to the stadium and uh, yeah, you know, just start a few fights and take my shirt off and just 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 generally do what I normally do. Yeah, you know, yeah. just you know, basically get arrested, uh, watch the game from. Uh, I always get arrested. Did I mention? Yes, yes, we've heard about that. Tell yeah. briefly, tell us that story, Kevin. No, no, I went to investigate what all this uh, the huge police presence behind the cove was and uh, ended up almost getting arrested, which was fun. Uh, never almost been arrested in twenty eight years of doing my job as a journalist, which is you know, why would people pay money to be confronted and. Uh, antagonised by the police. FFA, speak to the police. 
bring them back into line. There's a ways of policing things. You can be nice to people, you can be polite to people, you will get more out of them. If you send somebody from the riot squad with raptor on their chest, literally, as a patch, it's not really going to get the best out of people. Mm. Uh, most of these people are paying good money to enjoy football. Anyway, anyway, one um, last match. Yes, there isn't actually a last match. There's only four games in the in this no, round. Kevin. I know, but this is the last. This yes, is the last match. That's right. There's only four games. Yes. Yeah. One last match. Yeah. <laughs> Which is this one? Yeah. <laughs> uh, tip. Jets and Roar. Uh, oh yes, of course. Jets and Roar. Yes. Yes. Firstly, tip for. See how? Yeah, yeah, yeah. You, you didn't Put know what I was talking about. Uh, no, Jets and Roar uh, playing on Sunday. Uh, Firstly, a tip for Wanderers and Victory. Oh, uh, definitely Wanderers. Okay. Uh, and uh, I would have said two-one if Europe was playing. I'll go for one-nil. Yeah, I'll go for one-nil too. Uh, Labby Hellity to score the winner in the 76th minute. Santa Lab Scorcher, 60th minute. There you go. We'll yeah. see what happens. Yeah. Let's go up to the Hunter Stadium. Jets and Raw. Jets got to build on the back of this mm. uh, win against Adelaide. This arguably, I think this could be the, the game of the round. Yeah, I, I would think uh, there's quite a lot of competition for that, actually. This, considering there's only four games, there's four very good quality games, aren't there? In fact, I might even go up to the Jets game myself, so um really looking forward to this one. Kev, I think what's really important for the Jets is that they just, as you say, keep building on what they've already got. Now we're into the sixth round, I think Heskey now starting to make some appearances off the bench. We haven't even mentioned the tackle on Heskey in Adelaide, which was... Yeah, Bugard now two red cards in five rounds. What is going on? It's pretty good effort, really, isn't it? <laughs> he's a lovely guy and he's a great player, but he's got, somebody's got to have a word with the boy. But um, yeah, it's hard to pick this one. But I, I, I just sense it the raw this year under Mulvey. They're they're a different act, and I, I think do actually. I, I feel sorry for the Jets facing. Roar this weekend. Yeah, after a good time. Yeah, you know if uh, they'd come off Adelaide and were facing. Almost any other team apart from Roar, Wanderers, or Victory. In fact, any other team apart from Roar, uh, Victory, or Roar, Wanderers, and Mariners, uh, I would have put money on Jets winning it. Mm. But uh, nah, Roar is uh, going to be too good for them, I think. Uh, which is a real shame because you know they're going to have taken two steps forward and they're going to now take one step back if the Roar do dominate them. Uh, and they're going to go back and start asking questions again about what's the best position. Oh, for, for, me, for me, it's really important that the Jets put on a good performance like they have in the last few weeks, and I think if they do that, they should get something out of this game. I'm looking forward to Hull. I'm looking forward to seeing Burnsy play again. Burnsy's just getting better and better, and once Husky's back, he says he's said in the press today that he'll, he'll be ready in about three weeks to play a full game. So, uh, again, he'll be off the bench. Oh, look, I, look I, I actually think the Jets might get something out of this. I think... Potentially, this could be like a one, one or a two-two, or even a three-three. This could be one of those games. Yeah, I think you could be right. I think there could be a lot of goals in it, but um, I still see Roar getting it. Uh, what I would like, though, is for Jets to be consistent. Uh, I'd like to see you know a similar starting eleven to what they put out last weekend. People in the same roles and just let the team yeah. settle down, bed let it in. breathe. Yeah, even if it doesn't work for them uh, this week, just. 
build up partnerships, let people know where they're going to be, uh, and uh, you know, carry on playing that way, chopping and changing, moving people around, moving them out of position. That's not working for the Jets. Mm. We've seen that. Uh, letting them settle down, that, that could be the key for them, even if it doesn't work. Uh, and against a raw, that'll be minus Frenich and Mackay. So true. Uh, I think you know. I and think Frenich, they'll get something out of this game. Yeah, I mean Frenich is certainly, a, I think, a key omission for yeah. them. Even more so, perhaps, than Mackay. Yeah, not absolutely, being there. Uh, absolutely. Frenich just been top form this season. Moving forward, uh, you know, uh, has been a, a big, big move for him, and it's worked well. Uh, and your bar up front, confidence is up. Absolutely. Um, so I think there's going to be some great entertainment in this game. A good crowd, of course. The Jets fans are back on board. Um, and I, look, I'm going to tip a two-two or even a three-three. Yeah, I'll go first. I'll hedge my bets. I'll go for three-two for Roar. Okay, then. Well, listen. If I win, you buy me a breakfast at Merriweather Beach next time we're up there. Sounds good. Yeah. Okay. And Excellent. if you win, vice versa. Nice one. It's a deal. Okay, well, look, that's the 442 FM podcast for the day. Kevin, anything else we need to mention? Uh, no, I think we're there. We've got a uh, new magazine out. Yes, tomorrow. tomorrow which and is on the cover. Looking very, very good. Great content. Uh, we've got the new website coming next week. We've got the soccer... What's the URL for that? Uh, it will be 442.com. Okay. That's it. Just no AUs at the beginning. It'll all take care of itself. Should be coming late Monday night if we can get things sorted out mm. properly. And I've seen I've seen some of the uh, some of the demo stuff that we've had already on that that site. It's it, looking great. Looking very very good. Very exciting. I mean, I would it. have to say that I'm the editor of the magazine, but I actually believe it, it looks great. Yeah, no, yeah, I think uh, people love it when they see it. Uh, and and the soccer we've got the soccer magazine, and we've got the soccer match, which we've not really discussed, uh, but. Uh, yeah, it's. I think it, we can discuss that in more detail. We next can discuss week. it afterwards. Uh, right. But yeah, I think everybody knows that it's going to be an experimental uh, and side that's going to uh, be trying to build on that win uh, against Canada. Uh, so good luck to them. Good luck to the All Whites tomorrow morning. Yeah, absolutely. And I think we're going to watch it here in the office. I believe it's on Satanta, which will be great. Half past seven in the morning. Yeah, fantastic. So I think that's about it for this uh, this particular issue uh, of 442FM. We'll talk to you next week. Have a great week. Cheers, guys. Cheers. Mm-hmm.